Welcome along to episode 6 of Money to Burn. On this week's episode, we're going to have all your favourite usual bits. What? You never knew? No more funny business. Breaking Fad is making a return by popular demand. And guess what? We have a brand new section of the show. For the first time ever, you're going to have a second voice on Money to Burn because I'm going to be doing an interview. I won't tell you too much about it. I'll keep it as a surprise for later in the episode. But very exciting times here on Money to Burn. So sit back, put your feet up, grab a cup of tea, relax, and enjoy all Money to Burn has to offer. You're listening to Money to Burn. What? You never knew on Money to Burn. So, on this week's What? You never knew. I have something to tell you that you've probably seen thousands of times and never even realised what you were looking at, okay? And it's about Starbucks, okay? So you've all been to Starbucks. There's Starbucks everywhere. Even in The Simpsons, there was a bit of a joke that every single shop um, or second shop was a Starbucks. We've all been to them. They're everywhere. and They're a coffee giant. Um, And one of the reasons they are a coffee giant is because they really listen to their customers and they tap in uh, to little things um, to make their customers want to come in and have a coffee. Okay, so I know I've asked loads of my friends... um, about going for coffees or whatever on their own would they go into a shop on their own have lunch on their own and have a coffee on their own a lot of people seem to think there's a stigma about that they don't like it they don't like sitting in a shop on their own and drinking a coffee or having a sandwich me personally i don't care i'll sit anywhere and have lunch on my own and i like my own company and i'll just make a podcast at the table or something of course i wouldn't but Some people need to be sitting there chatting to someone. So Starbucks kind of realised that people didn't like really coming in to have coffees and lunches and stuff on their own. So they made their tables round. Okay, have a look at that next time you're in there. Look at their tables. They're always round. And the reason for that, they say, is that round tables make people feel less alone. Okay, so like square edges, people think on tables that it seems to push people away, but round, it makes people feel, even if they are sitting alone, that they're part of a wider, greater community, rather than just the people who are sitting at their chair. So next time, so you're meeting for someone for a coffee, and um, when they text you and they say, look, well, I'm on the way, sorry I'm running a bit late, just text them back the words, don't worry, take your time, there's round tables here in Starbucks. Uh, they'll be highly confused by your reply, but when they do arrive in Starbucks, when eventually they get there, it'll be a very interesting topic to talk about. You're listening to Money to Burn, where it's always your business. Well done, old chum. So this week's well done old chum once again is someone who's very very famous. Uh, for the first couple of well done old chums, um, they were people who were probably in the local community, um, but still doing very very important work. And last week we had a look at David Williams who was reading um, kids stories 
two kids during COVID-19. And this week, we're looking at another celebrity. Um, she's a singer. I've seen her live in concert. Her concert was actually fantastic. Uh, very, very good. If she ever comes back here again, I recommend you going to see her. Um, I wasn't a fan before the show, but then after I left it, I saw um, how spectacular a performance she put on. And that person is Taylor Swift, okay? You've probably heard of her. Uh, she's She started out kind of as a country-type singer, and then she became an absolute pop icon um, over the last couple of years. But Taylor Swift has been doing some really, really cool stuff um, over the last couple of weeks on her Twitter, okay? So what she's been doing is she's been going down through her Twitter timeline, um, going into her followers list, and just scrolling down and reading her fans' tweets. And when she comes across someone who's going through tough times at the moment, and um, through COVID-19, losing their jobs, having bills to pay, she's actually reaching out to them and offering them three grand, Okay, here's one of the tweets. So let's read you one of the tweets here. It says, Bernie, I saw your post and would love to give you a gift of $3,000 to help you with the stress of what's going on right now. Can you please send me your email address for your PayPal account, Love Taylor? Now that is really cool. That's only one of the tweets. She sent hundreds of these. So she's actually given out an absolute fortune um, to people. Uh, three grand seems to be the order of the day. Um, nearly all of her tweets are, I'd like to give you a gift of three grand. That's the magic number. But fair play to her, I have to say, she's probably made a lot of people's lives a lot easier right now. And if they were fans of her before, I guarantee you they're super fans now. And um, so that's why this week's Well Done Old Chum is Taylor Swift. Breaking Fad on Money to Burn. Back by popular demand, we now have Breaking Fad. And if you've listened to the show before, you'll know on Breaking Fad, we look back at old stuff um, from before, old fads from back in the day that are now possibly worth money. Some are worth big money, some are worth a few quid and some are actually worthless and um, so we're looking at kind of things that you would have had maybe as a kid or that you would have collected and seen what they're worth now and one of the things we're looking at this week and I want to apologize in advance and um, because I'm probably going to make you very very hungry uh talking about this it's McDonald's and not particularly food because if you've collected McDonald's food and um, its chances are it's probably not worth very much but what I'm talking about is the McDonald's toys yeah we would have all got them in our happy meals they're still doing them today um, and I know for one I still have a few McDonald's toys um, in an old box somewhere um, I'm not too sure what they're worth I must price them up but I've been looking online at old McDonald's toys and seeing what they're worth now obviously like all collector's items it's all about the condition so this is when I give you these kind of prices I'm talking about top nick um, most Mosin will be still in the bag you know the little plastic bag you get Mosin will be unplayed with um, I don't know why any kid that would get a McDonald's toy and decide I'm going to keep this for 25 years and see what it's worth um, um, I would have just been ripping the plastic open and playing with it straight away. So I probably don't have anything that's going to be too valuable. But look, if you do have some old McDonald's toys, I've been looking around eBay. Chances are even the smallest, oldest, and um, not even in great condition McDonald's toys are actually going for a few quid. You can get anywhere between $20 and $140 uh, for your average McDonald's toy, okay? Now, the $140 would be top nick in a bag and one that's fairly rare. $20 would be for your opened not in too particularly good nick but all right the very cheapest 
um, kind of McDonald's toys. You can get them for 5 to $10, but they'd be kind of ones um, that wouldn't be in great, great nick. Now, I say dollars, but I'm sure you can just uh, work out what that'd be in your local currency, because uh, I know Money to Burn is going global, and um, loads of uh, listeners from around the world. But look, wherever you are, there's a McDonald's uh, very, very near you, and you probably have loads of McDonald's toys built up. So if you have these ones, okay, you're probably sitting on a lot of money, okay? So, Snoopy World Tour, that's the fourth most popular set of all time. Now, you need all the toys, okay? There was actually loads of them in it. Um, it's about 16 toys in total in the Snoopy range. That'll get you somewhere between $100 to $200, depending on what condition it's in. Um, then, Furbies were really popular as well. Now, there's an absolute rake load of Furbies. There was about out nearly 50 in the collection but if you have all 50 in great nick they don't actually even need to be bagged you can get a thousand dollars for that collection okay and then the most popular set uh, ever um of toys that were ever in um mcdonald's was the beanie babies okay and for the full Beanie Baby kit, you can get up to $1,500 is what I've seen online uh, for the Beanie Baby collection that's gone um, available on eBay, actually it is at the moment, $1,500. Now you'd have to have them all individually obviously if you didn't collect the whole set you can still get a lot of money for individual toys and the most popular and this would have been around when i was a kid as well because it's from 1995 and um, so i'm kind of beating myself up now for not keeping this toy because i kind of remember them being at mcdonald's and all and it was inspector gadget remember that guy remember did it did it remember and he'd wear the big uh the gray waistcoat and he'd be going around in his car with his cat um solving crimes I think the cat was actually the bad guy's cat. Um, so uh, scrap that. Um, but yeah, Inspector Gadget. If you have that toy from 1995, they're going at the moment for $350 online. Um, and the ones that are even not in great condition, because they're so rare, are even getting you between two to 250 Now you might think that's not life-changing money, but I'll tell you what, if you get $350 uh, for an old McDonald's toy, when McDonald's doors do reopen, you're going to get a hell of a lot of Big Macs for that. Money to Burn, the home of funny stories and money stories. No more funny business on Money to Burn. So, to all our new listeners, anyone who's not heard this podcast before, this section is known as No More Funny Business. And what we do is, we look at businesses from around the world that if you heard about them at first, you'd say, nah, that's a crazy idea. No one's going to pay for that. It'll make no money. And all the companies that appear on this section have made a lot of money off crazy ideas. So, if you're sitting out there at the moment, in lockdown, wherever you are, and you have a couple of bit of time to spare we all do and you're looking to come up with a good idea to make money even if it's a crazy idea chances are it could make you a few quid because anything can be monetized as you'll see and this week's no more funny business is a company that was founded by alex craig and it's really taken off it's called potato parcel okay it's huge in america that's where it's really taken off most uh, but it is a global company uh, but it has taken off mostly primarily in the states and for that the reason why it did take off in the states is because it appeared on a show called shark tank okay 
and Shark Tank is like the American version of what we'd have here in Ireland or the UK, uh, Dragon's Den. Um, it's really, really good. I talked about Kevin O'Leary, who's um, on that show on episode two. I did, he was our money mentor, uh, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful as he's known, um, a big fan of him. But he was actually the investor who invested in this company. He's seen it and thought, yeah, this actually has a, a bit of a chance of becoming big. And he invested in it. As much as he laughed about it on the show, he could see a promise in it. And what Potato Parcel is, is you get a potato, well, they do, and they get your message, just like you get a gift card, and they'll write your message on a potato, or put a picture for a little bit more cost on a potato, and send it to one of your friends. So say if your friend is leaving uh, his job and work, he's out to get in a promotion or something like that, you can get the potato sent into the office, and it'll have, well done, John, congratulations from all the team, uh, see you at the coffee dock. Something like that on it, or it'll have a picture of him, maybe, um, on a night out, stuck to the potato, and everyone will have a good laugh about it. Now, it's obviously a bit of a novelty gift, but it really has taken off now you might think how much money could something like that um actually make well so far um at the last check the last count it had sold over 100,000 potatoes okay that's a hundred thousand potatoes that they that they'd actually sent out to people, and I'm not too sure what people do with these potatoes after it. Maybe they make some nice chips out of it, or maybe they just take a funny picture for Instagram. But it has really taken off, and in the three years that followed the show, they'd made up to seven hundred thousand in sales, and um, that's probably even gone up even more. The last report on this company's uh, numbers was two years ago, so the chances are that's gone above the million mark and um, by now. But at, at the three year mark, um, after leaving the show tank they'd made 700,000 now obviously that goes off the back of appearing on such a popular tv show but it just goes to show you if you can come up with a crazy idea like that and get it in front of the right people you can make a lot of money for it and get prepared here for a really bad pun i have to say that company is very appealing to me that's terrible It's time for the Money Talks interview on Money to Burn. And now on Money to Burn, we have a very special guest. As I told you earlier in the show, we're going to have a guest on the show today, and he's going to be the first voice on the show, well, second voice on the show besides myself. Um, And it was something that someone asked during the week on my LinkedIn, David W. Byrne. They reached out, and they asked... What is the different? What is the kind of things that you have in sport that you can bring into business? Now I've played a few sports myself, but I thought I might try and get a international star on the show uh, to give me his perspective. So on the seeking to guess who this is, as I tell you, um, his achievements. Okay, so in touch rugby, he's played for the Ireland men's team, um, fifty six times, thirty eight as captain. He's played for the Ireland mixed over thirties ten times. So he's basically played for his country sixty six times. He's also played in three World Cups, four European Championships, five all-time caps for Ireland, and ten all-time tries for Ireland. Of course, it's Brian O'Drisk. Sorry, it's Brian Fitzgerald. Brian, welcome to Money to Burn. Hey Dave, thanks for having me on. And your intro was way, way too good. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of people turning off now. I doubt it. I I doubt anyone who knows Brian Fitzgerald and has watched you play uh, touch rugby will not be switching off at all. Um, I know you've got a lot of good things to say. And the first thing I'll ask, it's a very straight question, but what is touch rugby? So touch rugby is basically an alternative uh, to what 
people would know as just rugby, uh, 15 inside rugby. Um, in touch rugby, the pitch is 70 metres by 50 metres. So 50 metres is the standard width of a normal rugby pitch and the 70 metres is the length. So it's about 30 metres shorter. But the main difference is it's six aside on the pitch at any one time. So very like this, the form sevens in rugby. It's two halves, so it's 20 minutes a half. Um, so 40 minutes in total. So it's shorter than your standard rugby match, but a little bit longer than the sevens format. It's minimal contact. Um, so like as as the name suggests it's touch rugby but it's minimal contact brilliant I've watched I actually watched a good bit of the Hong Kong Sevens growing up my brother uh, Eamon who likes the show as well uh, would have been a big fan um, of the Hong Kong Sevens like teams like Fiji and it would have been um, Samoa as well they're always good um, but is it kind of is it, is this based similar to that in terms of that it's a lot about fitness uh, about flair and passion for the game yeah no massively so it would the game, the game of touch would be very attritional. It would be um, hugely fitness based. Um, you, as as I said, six people on a pitch, the guts of a full size rugby or, or or soccer pitch. So you're covering a lot of ground over that twenty minutes. Now you do have subs, but um, you're you're basically running for the guts of 10, 10 of those twenty minutes full speed as fast as you can forwards and backwards so basically what you're saying Brian is in touch rugby I'd be badly exposed no Dave of course not no Jeez. you're putting words in my mouth I'm putting words in my own mouth I, Brian I'll say it Dave Burns money to burn would be badly exposed in touch rugby it is definitely about fitness and uh, I'm not fit <laughs> no but listen touch is a game for everyone um, it's it's definitely open to you know both sexes um, all sizes shapes um, it's very inclusive yeah I was going to bring it on to that actually you read my mind Brian is is, is the whole um, thing behind touch rugby kind of like a rugby for all because not everyone wants to say play full contact rugby go to work on a Monday morning with black eyes or whatever is this more obviously you'd get your injuries in touch rugby um, but is it kind of more of a, a safer version of sport more of a rugby for all yeah no certainly would be Dave um, as I said it's minimum contact now saying that when when you're playing at the highest like at international level like let's say men's and women's it can be quite rough and tumble and injuries can occur but socially or for anyone to just get involved in it's an excellent way of getting really fit while playing a team sport that you know is safe and uh, as you said you're not going to show into the office on a monday or tuesday with a black eye or a broken arm or a broken leg and touch rugby i know is huge in other parts of the world where where is ireland in terms of it being in popularity compared to the likes of australia and new zealand yeah so unfortunately we we'd be 10 15 years behind in terms of popularity for the likes of australia and new zealand so the game originated in australia uh, as as you said it was it was rugby union and rugby league in their off season didn't want their professional players to get injured so they developed the game of touch to keep them fit and keep their skills up 
um, currently in Australia and New Zealand, the touch would be a, an everyday household game that they would know about. Kids would play on their breaks in school instead of playing soccer or even playing full contact rugby, they play touch. Um, so unfortunately for us, and, and it's something that I personally, along with a number of others, are striving to do is is to grow touch in Ireland as an alternative sport to go with what we currently have. It, it's excellent for fitness. So teams can even pick it up during the summer when they're, they've stepped away from their soccer or their rugby. And is there a, is there a big um, focus on underage in touch? We're gro- well, across the world there is, but in Ireland, yeah, we, we've actually got quite a good youth structure going currently. So there's a number of, of clubs have developed in the past five years in and around Dublin and they would have a youth structure um, there's also a, a, like a youth European Championships a youth World Cup um, so what we're doing is we are hoping to merge touch into schools we are currently um, in talks with a number of schools around Dublin to bring it in as an alternative to PE classes Fantastic, and so it'll be. Would you think? Could you see it even like it taken off more from there? I know, obviously, when when people focus on underage sport um, in countries, it it tends to push them more onto playing it then as seniors. Can you see the Irish uh, touch team um, possibly winning a touch World Cup in the future if the underage is looked after? Uh, winning the World Cup? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't want to be pessimistic here. Come on, tell us you're going to win a World Cup. I want to hear here on Money to Burn first. Brian, are we going to win the World Cup in 10 years? Uh, not maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years. So 20, you heard it here. Brian Fitzgerald says, Ireland are winning the Touch World Cup in 20 years. I'm going to write that in my notes. I'll probably be on episode uh, 2000 at that stage, Brian. So we'll uh, have you back on for that. And. And in terms of like in business now, because we this is a business show, but we're looking at like how important do you or what kind of skills should I say have you taken from playing for your country for Ireland and um, in touch rugby into your business life? Um, both all sports and forms of sports, and like I, I've played a number, including standard fifteens rugby, is brilliant for building such things itself. Um, Esteem, you build really good relationships uh, playing sports and, and not just for Ireland but just club and so on. Um, it helps you to develop to think clearly in pressure situations. Um, it also teaches that life isn't always fair, results don't always go your way. Um, Has it prepped you for these times? Has it prepped you for these tough times, Brian, in COVID 19, being in lockdown, stuff like that? No, I don't. I don't think it's it's prepped a lot of people. Um, you feel you've adapted better, maybe, than people who wouldn't have maybe had the that kind of uh, sporting background. Yeah, no, certainly, certainly, because what what sport and and playing sport at a high level teaches it is to be driven, to be goal orientated and focused. Um, so when it's my time to work, I get down to work. Um, I, I think a lot of people have been put off after a number of weeks currently with the situation we're under purely because they're not used to being focused on a goal. Um, 
not for an uh, extended period of time. Um, whereas people that would play sports competitively would have a goal, would have a drive, would have a self-discipline. Um, so yeah, it, cer- it certainly helped me in the long run. And is it as you were a captain uh, thirty-eight times for your country? Uh, that basically means for eighteen of those games you were not. Um, or was it more? Or, so that's a terrible thing to point out. But I, the question where I'm getting to there, Brian, I'm not being a, a smart ass. It's are you as are you com- more comfortable being a leader? Are you more comfortable being a follower? Or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both. Um, like I, I would have captained sports teams. Um, always from underage all the way up. Um, it's it's not necessarily that I'm a good leader or. I've, I definitely am of the example of follow what I do, not necessarily what I say. Um, Lead by example? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I certainly don't um, say something to a player that I'm not willing to back up myself. Uh, and that goes both on the sports field and off. So uh, in the business world, that if I say something will be done, it'll be done. Um, but if I ask someone to do something, I expect the same. Spot on. I 100% agree with you, Brian. And would you, you're sure you've got some heroes in either the sporting uh, world or the business world. Who are they? Yeah. Um, growing up, my, my sporting hero would have been uh, a rugby player called Simon Gagan. Brilliant winger. Fantastic. Blondie guy. Exactly. Loved him as well. Yeah. The, the, the long, flowing, blonde hair. Anytime yeah. we were out in the green, it was a fight. Who was, who was going to be Simon Gagan? He was in the Eric Elwood days, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah. He certainly was. Good knowledge. So, um, he he would have been a hero of mine. I, I loved his his the way that he played. Played a bit carefree, almost. Now clearly he knew what he was doing, but um, yeah, no, really, really good. Yeah, and I suppose in, in in terms of just going back to your question, in terms of business as well would kind of be another rugby player slash businessman, uh, Tony O'Reilly. Um, Very good. So, yeah, so Tony O'Reilly, obviously, for people that wouldn't know, would have played for Ireland, one of the youngest internationals ever for Ireland in rugby union, and played for the British and Irish Lions. But not alone did he scale the heights in, in sport, but then transitioned over to business and would later be involved in an independent newspaper group as well as uh, chairman of Heinz Ketchup. So, Saucy info. Saucy info, yeah. yeah. But hugely successful man, um, both on the sports field and off, and, and certainly someone I would look up to. Fantastic. And if you had one bit of advice, um, in terms of sport and in business, uh, for our listeners, what would it be? From everything you've learned. Uh, If you haven't been involved in team sports, there's still time. Sports is a brilliant outlet, both mentally and for fitness. It's a good way of of getting out there. Um, And I would encourage anyone listening that team sports is an excellent way for your kids to build, as I said already, self-esteem and contacts. Um, both for on the pitch and off the pitch in later life it's an extremely good way business wise to 
help you navigate a, a career and a career path. Well, Brian, it's been fantastic to have you on Money to Burn. Um, I have to say, it's been great to have you on. I've been a fan of yours ever since you got that try against Scotland. Um, when I was watching it in work, you were away in the World Cup. Um, and I was watching you on the screen. We were at a team meeting, and I gave a bit of a yelp, and people were wondering what I was doing. I was watching you down the back on my phone uh, get a try against Scotland. So it's been fantastic to have you um, on the show. Um, I'm sure we'll have you back on at some stage again, because not only is Brian um, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to touch rugby, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to business, he knows a lot about a lot of stuff and um, so we may have Brian on again in fact I know we'll have Brian on again um, in the future episodes of Money to Burn so Brian um, congratulations by the way Brian I know you're expecting uh, your second child at the moment congratulations on that uh, thanks Dave yeah and listen I, I really appreciate you having me on and taking the time to have a chat with me Brian it's been a pleasure and we'll talk to you again soon thanks Dave cheers And that, my friends, is the end of episode six. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank my guest on the show today, Brian Fitzgerald. Um, it's great, nice to have another voice on the show. Our very first ever guest on Money to Burn. And that'll be a great moment for him when this podcast goes absolutely huge. And he can say he was the first guest ever on Money to Burn. Congratulations, Brian Fitzgerald, on that. I joke, of course. Thanks very much for being on the show. It was great to speak with you. I'd also like to thank uh, everyone who reaches out to me on a weekly basis. You can add me on LinkedIn at David W. Byrne and drop me a mail let me know what you like about the show and what bits you'd like added in and if you'd like to hear more interviews like Brian Fitzgerald let me know also let me know what you thought of him Um, and I'd like to thank all the people who reach out to me I get a lot of mails um, from all around the world um, people in Ireland of course that's where I am from the UK Canada Germany Italy Spain Hungary Norway and America I get mails even from America imagine that I'm only six episodes in the game and already I've cracked America not too bad Look forward to speaking to you again, and as always, stay safe, stay happy, and most of all, stay lucky.